informasi. First service, I put the water on this table behind me, then came up here, forgot it was there. It was thirsty the whole time. So if I start looking thirsty or slowing down, uh, just remind me. Give, me. give me a point, a shout back there. Um, my name is Mike St. Dennis. I'm the associate pastor here at All Souls. If you are new with us this morning, which about uh, a third of us are new this morning, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. This is a great time to be here. Um, uh, it's a great time to be here uh, because we're here. Um, but more specifically, there's, a, there's a, a lot of good opportunities to connect. As the world gets back to normal, uh, we find new rhythms, we find our place in the world, we find new communities. Uh, we, are, we are looking, we are listening for what kind of community God wants to make us. So we just spent the last few months going through the book of Ephesians in a series called The Beloved Community, and we are asking the question, what type of community does God want to make us into? And we're going to keep that conversation going through this summer by asking the question, what kind of fruit does God want to bear in our community? What kind of fruit does God want to cultivate in your life and in mine that we can see and experience in one another? And more than that, what kind of fruit does God want to bear in this community for the sake of the world, for the sake of the people that are around us and the needs that are there. So we're going to take a look at the fruit of the Spirit uh, this summer, taking them one by one as we go through. Uh, along with this sermon series, there is a study guide, uh, a chance to go a little bit deeper and to practice, to take some of the things that we're talking about and to try them on in your life. Uh, and so I want to invite you to join with us in that study, either doing it on your own or if you want to do it with people. Uh, we have new community groups that are starting. We have uh, old or established community groups that are meeting, lots of different opportunities. If you just need one person to go through it with, let me know. Or if you want a group, let me know, and we'll connect you so that you can join with us this summer as we ask that question. What kind of fruit does God want to bear in and through us? Uh, also, there's other opportunities to connect. Stephen talked about a few of them this morning. Serve with us next week as we go to bear fruit in service for the people that are around us, for this world. Uh, and then also, of course, come enjoy the fruit of our relationships together in our summer suppers. And there's sign-ups out in the lobby. Or if, or if you just need help finding the right opportunity for you, again, email me or grab me after the service. I'd love to help you connect. Through the Spirit... We all know the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is regular church attendance. Uh, the behavior of your children being acceptable in a way that, that improves your reputation in the, in the community. The fruit of the Spirit is uh, the right books on your bookshelf. It's right theology, right thinking. The fruit of the Spirit is making sure you know and then express on Facebook all the right political views. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, sadly for me, that is the, the camp that I fell in, and that's what I thought for many years of my life. Uh, and it's what I still can fall back into as well, this external superficial fruit where I try to look like I belong, like I've got it all together. Like God is at work in and through me. 
after I spent some time in that part of my life, I did what any sane person would do, and I tried on the other side because that one wasn't really working for me. And so I went to the other way and, and, and said, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and namaste. And I tried to memorize the fruit of the Spirit, but I always left out the ones that were like more obviously action-oriented, right? Self-control, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness. And so for me, it was like the fruit of the Spirit, the maturity. What God wants to do is he wants to make me happy. He wants to make me feel loved. He wants me to feel joy and, and to be maybe patient. Maybe I'll go that far. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is not just an internal reality for your own benefit, nor is it just a perfunctory performance, something that you show to the world to make yourself feel good. In Galatians 5, where the fruit of the Spirit passage comes from, Paul is talking to a church that's wrestling with this question of what does spiritual maturity look like? What does God desire for us as a community? How do we get there? And what he says in verse 5, after making fun of them a little bit and calling them out and arguing, saying some harsh things, then he gets to chapter 5 and he says this. For freedom, you have been set free. You have been set free to flourish, to have life. You have been set free to wait with hope by faith for the righteousness of God to come. And when you think about righteousness, don't think piety and separation. Because righteousness is flourishing. Righteousness is right relationships. You with yourself, you with God, you with one another. And he says, wait with hope. That right relationships are coming into the world. And then finally he says, all of these things, what matters is faith. What we know, what we believe, what we feel, expressing itself in love. As he says, the fruit of the Spirit, he concludes saying, uh, against these things, there's no law. There's no prohibition. There's no limitation. And so let us keep in step. Let's abide. Let's work with and be present to the Holy Spirit that this fruit may be born in us and through us. And so friends, this is our, our encouragement and our a challenge this summer to think about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, to think about faith expressing itself in love, to think about where God wants to take us in maturity and what we experience with one another and what we offer to the world around us. The first of the fruit of the Spirit, of course, is love. And so we're going to talk about love this morning. If you have your worship guides, you'll see the passage is printed here for us. Uh, this passage begins talking about Jesus saying, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so we want to look at this, this love them to the end. He completed, perfected his love 
for them. He loved them all the way. And we want to see what that picture of love is for us so that we can consider how the fruit of the Spirit might be born in us. It was just before the Passover meal. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Then he had finished washing their feet. He put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The question that Jesus asked his disciples, do you understand what I have done for you? Think about that question as we pray. Lord, we do believe uh, and know that if we understand what it is that you have done for us, if we see you, if we know you, if we hear you, if we feel you, we will be made new. We will flourish to love others as you have loved us. And so, Lord, this would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, hearts to feel, hands and feet to follow and be like you for your glory and for our joy. Amen. What is love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? No, I don't know why you're not fair. I give you my love, but you don't care. So what is right? What is wrong? Give me a sign. What is love? What is love? Uh, what do you think about? We're going to talk about love, so you have some idea. You think, oh, I know where we're going. And then you either turn on or you 
start shutting down, thinking about your phone or your afternoon plans. What is love? What do you think of? It's an insight into who I am to tell you this story, but when I think of love, the question, what is love? I think, I love lamp. Which is a line from the movie Anchorman. In that movie, uh, there's a newscaster, he's the main character, and he falls in love with his co-anchor, and he shouts to the office, I'm in love! And his compatriots come into the office, and they're with him, they say, Ron, tell us what it's like. And he says, what the, the, the physical relationship is like, and they say, no, love. And then one of them says, well, I was in love once. I met a girl at Kmart, and after... A few hours of making out, I never saw her again. To which Ron replies, I'm not sure that was love. And then Brick, played by Steve Carell of The Office, says, well, I love carpet. I love desk. I love lamp. And they stop him and say, Brick, are you just seeing things in this room and then saying you love them? No, I love lamp. I love lamp. What is love? As a former youth pastor, I have the great opportunity to do a lot of weddings. I did a wedding yesterday for one of our students. And when I do premarital counseling for our students, the first two questions I ask them is, why get married? And then why are you married to this person? And without fail, the first thing that every couple points to. Well, I just love spending time with them. I love the way they make me feel. Then we have to stop because we have to figure out what love actually is. And I would assert that that isn't love, that's like. That's delight. That's what brings me pleasure. But it, it's not love. You see, the pattern of love that Jesus points us here to, having loved them completely, loved them to the end, what does he do? Does he sit down like, and just say one nice thing about every one of them? Does he pull out a, a bag of gifts and bless them, each with a different token of his affection for them? No, when Jesus wants to teach them love and command them to love what does he do he gets down to serve friends if you look at jesus's teachings and you look at the story of the bible the bible is telling a story of love but it's not a childlike immature love it's not like it is love it is the all-powerful creator of the universe willing the good of his people so that they may flourish for his glory and for their joy. The love that the universe was created for, where it's going, where God is taking us, the mature love of the fruit of the Spirit is the love of seeking the welfare of another. It has nothing to do with what they do in return for you. Oh, oftentimes, as we go through the counseling, later on, eventually, they all get to it. They'll say, all right, the real reason why it's this person 
is because they've seen me at my worst and they stayed. They saw a need I had that I couldn't meet on my own and they met it. There was a time when they knew that if they loved and cared for me, I was going to bite them and attack them and they were going to get the teeth and the claws and yet they cared and they served. This is the love that God has for us and the love that God is inviting us into. See, friends, this is the mature love that Jesus shows. It's interesting here that it says Jesus knows what the Father has given to him, that the Father has put all things in his power. He's he's called him to this great position. He's giving him glory. He's come from the Father. He's going to glory. He's on the road. And then it says, and because he knows all of this, so then, He takes off his robe, he gets down on the floor, and he gets messy. Jesus' power and his lordship, his status, uh, his, his holiness is not diminished by him taking off his robe and going down to love and serve not even washing their messy feet. Jesus knows and is so confident in who he is and what he has come to do that he can take off his outer garments. He, the master, can go and serve. This is love. But I don't have to go on. We don't have to go any further explaining what love is. Love is messy. Love is meeting needs without any expectation of reciprocity. Love is doing something for somebody else's well-being, not for your own. Love can be humiliating. It can be embarrassing. It can be messy. We know what that mature love is. But that doesn't mean we do it. That doesn't mean we live it. It doesn't mean that we bear the fruit of the Spirit in love. And I want to submit to you that our passage shows us two of the reasons why we don't, two obstacles we face, two parts of our human experience that you know and I know, that if God will meet us there and heal us there, we'll bear the fruit of love. The first obstacle is fear. Look again at at verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And then verse 11, for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one of you was clean. On this night that Jesus is loving his disciples completely to the end, to the utmost. He gets down and washes their feet. John makes the point that among them was the one who would betray him that same night. Among those who was loved and served by the God of the universe, 
and got down to clean his feet. The betrayer. Friends, if you think about your life and somebody this week, this season, this summer, the last month or the week ahead, somebody who you find hard to love, whether it's a friend or a neighbor, a co-worker, a spouse, a parent, a child, somebody in this church, somebody in the church you're leaving, somebody in your, in your world, somebody on the other side of the political aisle, somebody that is hard to love in your life. If you think about why it's hard, there's going to be some amount of fear or pain, uh, some amount of loss, embarrassment. There's something there that keeps you from loving them. Maybe it's your idea of spiritual maturity, right? That you've got to be against the right things. And so therefore, you cannot love somebody who is for the things you're against. You can't listen to them. You can't be charitable or gracious. You certainly can't have a dialogue on the things you may differ in. I know that's been a story for many of us this last year. Or, or maybe it's uh, because of hurt or betrayal. Because somebody you used to experience like from, now you've experienced pain. Somebody who is meant to look out for your well-being, maybe they even made a, a vow to it, and yet they've let you down. And so it's fool me once, shame on you, but fool me twice, shame on me. One of the obstacles that Jesus' followers face time and time again when God calls them and invites them to love and care for others, is a fear of what's going to happen to them if they enter in. And maybe that's true for you. And maybe you're thinking of somebody. But this is the call of love that God has for us. There's a second thing that, that we see, and this is in Peter's story. Jesus comes to wash his feet, and Peter says, no, you're going to wash my feet? I don't think so. Lord, you will never wash my feet. And for Peter, if you know his story, he, he is kind of continually running into Jesus. Jesus will say something, and Peter will say, Jesus, you don't really mean that. You're not really going to do that. That's not on brand. That doesn't fit with where we're trying to go, the reputation we're trying to create, the work we're trying to do. Surely, Jesus, you're not going to do that. And for Peter here, the idea that God, the Savior, the, the teacher here, would get down and clean his feet is embarrassing. It's humiliating. It's uncomfortable to have that kind of vulnerability, to have Jesus get down and smell those puppies. And so he, he pushes him away. Jesus, please don't love me and serve me like that. I'm not comfortable with that. For Peter, there's this inability to receive the love that Jesus has for him, the love that God has for him that keeps Peter in pride and in insecurity and keeps him from loving the way that God has called him to. 
fear, pride, and insecurity. Two obstacles to loving in the way that God created us for. So then what's the answer? There is comfort, encouragement, and something that challenges us. Where Jesus says, unless I wash your feet, unless I make you clean, unless I love you and pour my life into yours, you will never have a part of me. You will never love like this. You will never meet the needs of others. You'll be too busy and concerned with meeting your own. You will self-protect you will hide. You will reject the love I'll send your way through other people. Unless I wash you, unless I love you, you'll have no part of me. The funny thing about those people were afraid to love. The people who we would go and serve, but who would maybe consume us, devour us, harm us, belittle us, Take advantage of us. Those are probably the people who need to be loved the most. There's a, there's a concept here that, that God is teaching us. It's about emptiness versus fullness. About being poor in spirit versus being broken in spirit. In our time of prayer this week on uh, we have like a midday prayer on Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon. You can join us at allsoulsfellowship.org. You can find us there. And then this week we were talking about this concept in the woman at the well. And this concept where Jesus says, if you, if you just knew the, the living water that I have for you, the life that I have for you, then you would be asking me for a drink. But you're so thirsty. You're so poor. You're so empty. You're so broken spirit. That you can't let my love come into you. And an empty cup can't pour anything out for others. It's really hard to be generous and to give your money away if you have no money. If you have some money, it's still hard to be generous all the time. The only way to be generous in every situation is if you had an infinite supply of money. The same thing goes for love. The only way to love and care for someone else is if you have an infinite supply of love. Jesus says, unless I wash you and make you clean, unless I pour my love into you, loving like this will be impossible. Finally, Peter's response is this awkward, well, then, then bathe me. And, and he's starting to unbutton his shirt. The disciples around him are like, this is weird. And Jesus says to him, I've already washed you. Those who have had a bath are already clean. But let me come wash your feet. This distinction for us, uh, I think it's important to hold on to. And this is what roots us 
in the practice. The front of the discussion guide, I love this, says, may God renovate us and form us as we trust in him. You want to bear fruit? I learned this last year um, trying to grow grass in my yard. Sorry, I'm all over the place. Uh, when you want to grow a plant or grass, you don't tend to the plant. You fix the soil. And what Jesus is saying, if you want to pour out love, if you want to be transformed, if you want to be mature, root yourself. Root yourself in the source of life that is infinite. Root yourself in the love and the righteousness that can't be exhausted. It can't be deterred by fear. It cannot be embarrassed in humility. Root yourself in that love. And so if you professed faith in Jesus Christ, you have been washed. You've been bathed. But now as he left his disciples in the world and as we are following him daily, we walk around town and our feet get dirty again. We know that he is the infinite source of life and value and meaning, and yet now we're trying to get love in all the wrong places, squeezing it out from all the people around us, thinking our identity is in something other than him. And so he says, even though you're washed, even though you're clean, your feet are dirty, would you let me love you and wash your feet? Friends, if we want to bear the fruit of love in our community, especially to love the hard places, to love in the face of fear, to love in the place where it's hard and costly, we've got to let him wash us and we've got to be rooted in him. The practice in our discussion guide this week is is about the the same thing we practice in midday prayer tuesdays and thursdays it's about this daily letting him wash our feet wash away all the bad ideas about ourselves the bad ideas about spiritual maturity the bad ideas about our, our failures our brokenness our poverty and let him pour his love out on us that we will have something to give away and offer others do you understand what he has done for you if we understand what he's done for us and root ourselves in him then and only then will we bear the fruit of love for others this week and this morning uh, I've had all kinds of reasons to feel insecure. Even saying this first service made me feel then insecure, like I shouldn't talk about being insecure as much because then people feel the need to come hug me, um, which I like. I don't mind that, but I'm not trying to make this about me. But I have a problem of making it about me. And that's my dirt that gets on me all the time. And so I'm sitting here and I'm stuck in my own failures my own weakness, and my own brokenness. And I just need him to come and wash my feet again so I can get out of myself and go and love others. And there's a song that I listen to on repeat. I, I heard it 30 times this morning. It's by a band called Need to Breathe. And this is the picture of love that I think God has for us. 
It says, on this road you take my hand. And somehow you really love who I really am. I push you away and you won't let go. And you grow roses on my barren soul. Who am I to be loved by you? Jesus' question, do you understand what I've done, is not, who am I to be loved by you? But it's an invitation to us to ask, who are you that you would love me like this? And when we know and are rooted in that love, we will bear love for the world around us. Amen. Friends, we come to this table to practice and remember God's love for us again to be nourished and fed by his sacrifice and his service so that we would be made whole and be fed so we can look after the needs of the people around us. So I invite you in this meal to feast, be fed, be transformed, that he may lead you in love to those that are around you. As we come to the table, let us pray the prayer of thanksgiving together. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. On the night that we just read about, where Jesus washed their feet and then was betrayed, he took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat of it. In the same way, he took the cup of wine and after blessing it and giving thanks, he gave it to them saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So together we proclaim the mystery of the faith that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Friends, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen.